Well, good morning, everyone. Grab a seat. Welcome to Vintage. My name is Gare. Real delight to welcome you. Welcome online. Welcome in our courtyard. It's good to just wander through there, just see you all very briefly. Very good to see you. I don't know about you, but sometimes, I mean, I just think it's such a big effort just sometimes to get to church in the first place. Have you ever found that? And whether you're maybe scared of church because of things in the past, or maybe you just woke up this morning going, I would love just to sleep in this morning. Or maybe you're going through the bed, you had a big argument with a family member, and it's like, we don't want to go to church anymore. But I'm just going, you made it. You made it. I think part of so much of our growth in Christ is showing up with others to pursue Christ together. All right, so here's a cheesy American thing, because I'm American now. So turn to your neighbor, high five, and say you made it. Come on, turn around, high five, you made it. I think some of the, the most profound growth moments of my life of when I've just, just showed up. And so great job. Uh, where I'm going to read something out right now called our generosity liturgy. Uh, you don't repeat it, but I'm going to read it out. And if you're part of our family, it's we're trying to pursue Jesus and be a follower of Jesus, which means becoming more like him. And our heart's desire is to be like Jesus as he transforms us into his image. And one of the best ways, one of the great attributes of Jesus is he's a generous God. He's giving of himself all the time. And our culture tries to shape us into selfishness, but we actually know we want to be together as a community to give our time, our talent, and our treasure. And so I'm going to read this. I'd love this to be a prayer for you as I read this, as we shape and allow the Holy Spirit to shape us into being a generous people in his image. Holy Father, there is nothing I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you, bought with the blood of Jesus. To spend everything on myself and to give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with the free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstand the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all the world. Amen. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to give this morning. We thank you that we get to be in your image, blessing others around us with our time, our talent, and our treasure, investing in your kingdom. We thank you that we get to invest in the mission of what you're doing in our church, to kids, to youth, Alpha, to the charities and the nonprofits we serve with across the city. We get to be a part of this. And so we pray as we give, with whatever we're able, Lord, we pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done. In your name, amen. Amen. So one of the highlights of my life is this Tuesday night. Can anybody tell me what this Tuesday night is? Oh, amazing. That so, sounds so resignation. Alpha. Alpha is the highlight of my life. If you don't, who doesn't know what Alpha is? 
Great, let me explain it to you. <laughs> Alpha is our way of inviting the city in a safe, non-judgmental, fun way to explore Jesus without pressure, without judgment. Eight Tuesday nights where people can come across the city and explore Jesus without being judged, without being pressured, without simplistic answers, without the Bible says so. It's literally a great evening of dinner, conversation. I give a short talk and uh, we have the pub open. I finish the evening off with a live Q&A, ask anything or Q&R, really, question and response. And I'm on the hot seat about all the questions that people have and I love it. And I think it's a great experience for anybody who is exploring. And so Tuesday night, we can do an alpha open house, which is you can come check it out and see if you want to do it. If you want to do it, then come back the next week and we start the journey of alpha. So this Tuesday night is the alpha launch night and people get confused sometimes. So let me be really crystal clear what the alpha launch night is for and who is alpha for. There's four categories of people. The first category is I would not call myself a Christian at all, but I'm happy to explore as long as it's fun and non-judgmental. Alpha's for you. Well, I am a Christian, but I got major doubts and maybe deconstructing a bit, but I got big questions and maybe rethinking my faith. Alpha's for you. Come to Alpha. The third category of people are, well, no, I am a Christian. I have, I've always got questions, but I think I'm growing in my faith, but I've got friends in one of those two categories. Can I bring them? Yes, you can. And you can come with them because they may not want you to abandon them. So Alpha's for you. The fourth category is, well, I am a Christian. I'm growing my faith. Alpha sounds intriguing. I love the Q&R bit. Um, maybe I just want to do Alpha for funsies. Alpha's not for you. Because <laughs> we need your chair for these three categories over here, right? We had 500 people come last time. And so we just need to kind of quarantine the Christians <laughs> so that we make space for these guys. Um, but here's the thing. I actually think you can still do Alpha because if you're in this category, how many of you are in this category? Well, how many here in the room here has a friend in LA? Great. Then you can come on Alpha because you're going to bring them to the Alpha launch night on Tuesday. I would pray, Lord, who in my life could actually benefit from just a fun, safe environment to explore what they believe? This is not about pushing Christianity on people. It's about what Jesus did, which is, hey, just come follow me and see what you think. That's what this whole thing is about. So you may have friends, siblings, bosses, parents, your spouse. Who knows? They may be in a place of, I don't want to get pushed into anything. But yeah, I'll check out Alpha. So if you're like me, though, you don't want to risk your friends or your boss or your spouse to something that they'll hate and think is lame and you don't want to risk your relational equity. So we want to make sure that Alpha launch tonight is the best night ever, that everyone will have a good time, whether they come back on Alpha or not. All right, so Tuesday night, have you got one of these on your chair? This is the Alpha invitation. You can say, hey, come with me and come on the launch night. Let's see what happens. Alrighty, we're going to dig into God's word um, together. Uh, I kind of felt this morning as I was praying, I want to do a bit of a Papa Smurf moment. Um, anybody know who Papa Smurf is? Yeah. It's the chubby older guy like me. And kind of, um, have you noticed that we're growing here at Vintage? Which is so exciting as people are exploring and following Jesus. But that has growing pains. And I just want you to know, I recognize the growing pains. I recognize, man, it's busy. I didn't get a seat, you know. 
I'm now in the fourth overflow room or whatever it may be. But we just, I just want to say, I feel the pain too. Um, I think growth is beautiful as people come. And we want to together kind of pitch in to kind of reduce those growing pains together. And so, you know, church is always a contact sport, right? There's always little niggles. And I just want to say thank you for being gracious. Our communities, like some people this week said to me, man, the communities are full. We're trying our best to open as many as we can, trying to find people to host. Um, and wow, I can't come on Alpha. I, I get it. We just want to make room for other people. So I get the challenges and the growth. I want to say thank you for being kind of part of the solution. And that's by hosting, that's by serving, that's by getting involved. And part of the growing pains, I've got to be really honest because I'm always transparent here, which is we've grown by like 30, 40% this last year, which is so exciting. Um, our giving hasn't really moved though. And so we are you know, experiencing kind of, oh, folks are part of the family but don't realize yet that being part of the family is to kind of roll up your sleeves and get involved in serving and giving. So if that's you, we'd love you to join with us in giving. We don't have any sugar mamas or sugar daddies here at Vintage. We don't have any denominations, you know, writing checks to us. We are the family of God. And if you're feeling Vintage is your home, let's all go on this journey together in serving, giving, praying, and we need your help, really. So um, but it's exciting what God is doing. And if you do have any kind of growing pains, do let us know because we want to serve the people of God and we want to help out as much as we can. But I get it. Um, all right, let's get into God's word. That's enough of that. Uh, get your Bible. It's in front of you or you brought one from home and let's stand as we kind of honor God's word as we read the Bible together. It's on page 62 of these Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, please take one. This is yours as a gift. If you have a Bible, you're a Christian, but you think, this is a better Bible than mine, go buy one. <laughs> These are for people who don't have one. And then page 62, Exodus chapter 3. All right, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now when the Lord saw that he had gone over to, the, over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, said Moses. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. By the way, milk and honey is just like a catch-all phrase for a land that is great for agriculture and livestock. Like it's, it's a brilliant land. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I, am, I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. 
And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, hang on a minute. Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, well, what's his name? What am I going to tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. The word of the Lord. Let's grab a seat. When I was deconstructing my faith in my 20s and hated church and ran away for a good few years, one of the big challenges of my life and my faith and my curiosity was I'm confused what it means to have a personal relationship with God. I've been in church all my life. I've seen God move, but also seen some strange stuff and some unhealthy stuff. And what I thought was God was not God. And it just got me confused. And I remember thinking, I just have no idea what this personal relationship with God actually looks like. I hear about it all the time growing up. But frankly, I'm actually going to say I struggle with that phrase. Personal relationship with God. Because, well, I have a personal relationship with my friends. And that's a whole lot easier. I mean, I see them. I hear their voice, we have a chat, we hang out. That's a personal relationship. I have no idea that, because that's not what I've experienced with God. I don't see him. I don't hear an audible voice. And it confused me. And I did not know how to meet God and how to grow my relationship with him. Over the years, and particularly as we see in this passage, God has helped me with, ah, this is what it means to have a relationship with God. This is what it means. And that's what we see in this passage because in this passage we have a paradigm of Moses having a relationship with God, meeting him and growing in that relationship. In fact, Moses throughout the Bible is known, famous for having a really brilliant relationship with God. That's what he's known for. And Exodus chapter three becomes this paradigm that we see throughout scripture of this is what it means to have a relationship with God either to begin with or to grow in your relationship with God. And it begins with this remarkable truth that can't be taken for granted, that God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. He loves you and wants to have a loving friendship with you. I mean, we can often think of God as an impersonal force. We can think of God as a set of doctrines or philosophy, but that's not relational because God is not those things. He is a person. He's not human, which was helpful for me to kind of, okay, but he's relational. He's a relational person who wants a loving relationship with you. So much so that in Exodus, later on in chapter 33, we read that Moses would, would meet with God and speak to him face to face as a friend. God is a person who wants a relationship with you. Not so that he can come in and criticize or shame or judge, but that he can bring you home as a father with a child and be in relationship. I love the fact that uh, when Jesus, the incarnate God, comes and chooses a group of folks to be friends with, and to hang out with for three years. One of them called John writes his own biography of Jesus and 
I love it, but I kind of want to hit John at the same time when he did this. He's in his gospel, in his own biography of Jesus. Whenever he appears in his biography, he doesn't use his name. He uses the. He doesn't say, "And John and Jesus did this." He uses a nickname that he's coined for himself after hanging out with God for three years. And guess what his nickname was? The one whom Jesus loved. I mean, imagine. I mean, imagine that if you hear you're reading John's biography. Oh, John, give me a break. But for John, that was hanging out with God for three years. My identity has shifted fundamentally that the truest thing about myself is I'm the one who Jesus loved. That's how much he felt. This is the power of God wanting a relationship with me. This is the strength of his love that my very identity has now shifted to, man, I'm, God loves me. In fact, you can now call me that. Shut up, John. God loves me too. God wants a relationship with you. So much so, as we see with Moses, God always takes the first step. I mean, we hear so often in our culture, man search for God and on my spiritual journey, discovering who he is. And that's true, but it's God who initiates. It's God who takes the first step. We see this with Moses, right? Moses is kind of 40 years after rebelling and he's in the wilderness and he's shepherding and he's a refugee and he's just getting on with his life. Nine to five job in the fields, go back, eat, watch some Netflix and go to bed, right? He's not interested in spiritual things. We don't have any record of him searching for God, but God so loves him that he breaks into his life. And that's what we have with all of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus now or you are a follower, whether you're not a follower or a follower, God is always taking the initiative with you. Come closer. And he does that through a fascinating thing called a burning bush. See, in God's honoring of your free will and not forcing you into relationship, he kind of is trying to woo you in relationship with him by throwing you a burning bush. See, burning bush, what was it for Moses? It was a bush that was on fire, which was not uncommon in the desert. So that wasn't strange. But it was a bush that was on fire and not being consumed. That is strange. I mean, Moses must have been looking at it for a while to realize it's not burning up. I mean, we actually don't know. Maybe he was like a couple of days of watching this bush go, it's still on fire. It wouldn't have intrigued him straight away. He was, God had caused a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. So something natural, but confusing. Something that was breaking his paradigm of reality. Something that was a compelling curiosity. Going, hang on. See, God wanted to get Moses' attention. Send out the invitation. But he loves us so much, he's not going to make it so obvious that we really have no choice in the matter. This is the loving free will that God has given to us. Is he initiates, but it's not going to overwhelm us. Now, in my life, I've had lots of burning bushes that God has interrupted my life to go, come on. A lot of curiosities, a lot of inexplicable things that I go, oh my gosh, I just. God's trying to get my attention. I remember, again, when I was off wandering in the spiritual desert, I remember thinking, oh man, I just 
I can't ignore that some of these Christian friends who have stuck with me, even at my worst moments, man, these are not ordinary people. There's something about them which is annoyingly amazing. Like curious Christians often break into our lives and you may have one in your life that has gone, if it wasn't for them, I don't think that, that was my burning bush. People aren't like that. People don't love their enemies like that. People don't give like that. What is it? For me, one of my burning bushes that kind of brought me into and back to God was intellectual curiosity, intellectual inexplicable things of, hang on a minute, people don't just rise from the dead, but the overwhelming evidence that is that Jesus did. That's, that's inexplicable. And it was a burning bush that brought me back. I remember thinking, hang on a minute, if we're all, I was raised in an atheistic culture, and it was like, hang on a minute, if we are just all random atoms, just the survival of the fittest, um, what is just, where did justice come from? Where does the moral universe come from? Where does love come from? If we're just a bunch of atoms randomly trying to survive and the fittest rule. It was a burning bush. I remember the, some burning bushes were also the troubles in my life. I got allowed troubles in my life which kind of rocked my world of, we can all be that. I don't know about you, but I grew up with an idealized version of myself that if I performed well, everything would go brilliantly. You know, everything would go brilliantly. And it didn't take me long to realize that I'm not in control. That things can happen that I'm not in control of. That my life can go sideways, not because of my lack of performance, but of just what's happened to me. And then I realized, oh, I'm not as good as I thought. And it was confusing. Oh, my word, my foundation has disappeared. I was disturbed. It was God using that as a burning bush in my life to go, maybe I can't. Maybe I shouldn't be in control. Maybe it's for you the inexplicable emptiness that we feel. Like we thought coming to LA and getting rich and famous or successful in our businesses or a great marriage and a great house, a great car, all these things that the world says, if you get these things, experience these things, know these people, then you'll be fulfilled and find meaning and be satisfied but we all feel like that one author who famously said, you know, what would you say to an 18-year-old version of yourself? He said, I'd go back in time and say to myself at 18, when you finally get to the top of the mountain that you want to get to, you'll find there's nothing there. I mean, how depressing is that? <laughs> but maybe you're feeling that inexplicable emptiness of, I thought this would fulfill. See, all of these things are God's way of trying to get your attention. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make it so obvious that you can't choose. But he is going to send the invitation. And more than likely, it's going to be a fire. Something that didn't go quite right. But the thing is, with the burning bush, it's one thing to go, oh, look, a burning bush. And wow, an inexplicable Christian. Or wow, circumstances that didn't fulfill. But we're so busy, we can go, ha, huh, interesting. Anyway, it's time to go home for dinner. Right? We are so busy that God is like throwing bushes everywhere and we can't wait to get back to our busy calendar and go, wow, that was funny and strange. Anyway, let's move on. See, busyness will stop us doing what Moses did, which is, huh, I'm going to go check this out. It says Moses 
turned aside. That Hebrew word is very intentionally there to Moses, stopped doing what he was ordinarily doing, and he turned aside. He got off the beaten track, went over to this bush, and was like, I've got to check this out. God makes the first move. He is sovereign. And he loves you. But you've got to make the second move. And that's why I said this morning, well done for coming to church, because for some of you, that's your second move. All right. For some of you, it's alpha. Okay, I'm going to check this out. I'm going to investigate. I remember I say to folks on alpha, look, come on alpha, it's just worth just worth for a bit of season being intentional to check out what's going on. I say to people, look, if, let's suppose you live for 70 years. You're going to spend 20 years, three months asleep. 10 years, five months watching TV. Five years, nine months in some kind of transportation. Seven years, six months eating and drinking. And you've got approximately 570,000 hours. So why not spend just 24 hours exploring if God really exists? Turn aside. Just come. Now this paradigm is not just there for people who've never met God before. This is how God grows all of us forever in our relationship with him. He keeps sending burning bushes. That he goes, come on, I'm gonna highlight something and I want you to turn aside and meet me there. That he interrupts us. And maybe you're here today going, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's something else which is just there going, I think God, this, this is normal, but it's not normal. God, I think, is using this to draw me close. Even reading your Bible. I say that the best tip I have for you is the Bible is God's word, but it's a book, right? It's a book. And when you're reading it, then sometimes it just feels like a book. But every now, and, every now and again, you'll read something and it becomes a burning bush. You, ooh, there's some heat on this. And then stop and go in and say, God, what are you saying to me? Turn aside, don't ignore the burning bushes. Go deeper. It could be getting into a community. It could be serving. It could be, hey, we need to go on a marriage course. Hey, I need to go to this. I need to go. We need to turn aside. Growth comes when you turn aside. And as Moses came near, he turned aside, and it says this fascinating thing. Moses came forward, and to see the questions he asked God, he said, God, who are you? In other words, Moses is trying to be curious about the real God. Like, I need to work out who you are. In other words, he was treating God with respect of, I'm not going to put on you my definition of who you are. I want to know who you are. See, this is the point of the question where he says, if I go to Pharaoh and Pharaoh and all the Israelites go, who is this God? What shall I tell them? The language there is not kind of emphasizing what's your name, but what are you like? Like, who are you? And God gives this incredibly frustrating answer of, I am who I am. I was like, what? I am who I am. And I think partly he's saying that, is saying, look, when you come to me to get to know me, I am who I am. My name is not, I am what you want. I am what I am. And the joy of relationship is always getting to know the other person, not in the way you want them to be, but who they really are. 
And yet our culture tells us that you can define God as you wish. And then we go, why do I not have a burning relationship with this person? Is because you're not actually growing in a relationship with God, you're actually growing in a relationship with an idealized version of yourself. Right? I mean, imagine, imagine um, me going up to you and going, hey mate, I really want to be your friend. I really want to get, ah, oh, this is fantastic. I want to be like, let's be buddies. And that guy goes, great, that's awesome. I go, okay, I really want to be friends. And the best way that's going to happen is, look, I'd really love you to be kind of a bit funny and really love you to be an ENTJ in the Myers-Briggs profile. I'd love you to be an Enneagram 7. I'd love you to have a bit of an accent from England. And I'd love you to kind of agree with everything I say and actually never tell me off, never call me out on anything. That would be amazing. We'll be best friends. <laughs> I think that person would go, dude, feels like you're in love with yourself. You don't want to get to know me. You want to change me. See, we would feel massively disrespected if someone comes and says, will you please be the person I want you to be? And yet we, so many of us think we can do that with God. I think we, as Moses shows, let's give God the same respect that we want from other people. Not to change us, but to get to know us. And this is the great thing. God is not a mystery in who he is. We can really get to know who he is. And he gave us this, that he, we can get to know him. And what we find as we get to know him is that he is fascinatingly, amazingly beautiful. He says to Moses later on, he goes, I'll tell you what I am. Because Moses says, what is this I am, I am stuff? And he says, look, I'll tell you. I am all of these qualities all the time. And these are my qualities. I'm gracious and compassionate. I'm slow to anger and rich in love. I can't wait to forgive people when they've messed up. This is who I am. Oh man, that sounds like, that sounds amazing. That's not me. And then when Jesus comes along, John says, no one has seen God, but in Christ, he has made God known. And when we read the biographies of Jesus, I don't know about you, but when I read the biographies of Jesus, I go, oh my gosh, if this is God, this is good news. He's amazing. God is not a mystery. God is not confusing. He has made himself known to us. And the growth in relationship is to go, I want to know you. Even if that means you're not me. Even if that means you contradict me, which he will. Even if it means he calls you out, which he will. Because he's going to do all those things in love because he's gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger, rich in love. Moses came to know the real God. And then you see their relationship growing in what I would say two directions. That relationship with God, when you meet with him, it always has two dynamics to it. Face to face and side by side. Face to face and side by side. Moses meets God face to face many times in a burning bush, up a mountain. It feels like they're having coffee together. It's like, wow, this is cool and we're having a good chat. But that actually doesn't breed the depth of relationship that God is after. See, face to face, I don't know about you, but if I have coffees forever with the same person and I only just have coffees with them, it's like we, we run out of things to say. Except, how's your day? What do you think of season two? <laughs> what, do you like the coffee, right? 
We run out of things to say. It doesn't go deep because God has made us to go deep in relationships, not just face-to-face, but side-by-side. In other words, as C.S. Lewis says, great friendships are when you both look at something and go, oh, great, you too, let's do this. And at the end of this passage, we see God going great. We're in relationship. Now, okay, I got, I got a project. We're going to go and rest. I'm going to go rescue Egypt out of Israel. No, wrong way around. I'm going to re- rescue Israel out of Egypt. And he said, I'm going to do it. I hear their suffering. I hear their cries. I'm a loving God and I can't bear it with evil in the world. So I'm going to go rescue them. And guess what, Moses? You're going to come with me. Let's do this together. And guess what? The next face to face is not, how's your day, mate? Well, how was season two? The next face to face was, oh my gosh, God, did you see the Red Sea part? Did you see my stick turn to a snake? Did you see? Because they did life together. And so often in our walk with God, we just feel, and the evangelical world has, has so trained us that growing your relationship with God is just face to face. Quiet times. Reading your Bible. I don't know about you, but I hear people all the time say, I kind of feel a bit stale in my walk with God. It's a bit dry. I go, yes, because your relationship with God is purposeful. Like God created you in Genesis 1. He said, God, let's make man in our image. In our image simply means we have a job to do. We are representing God in this world. We are seeing his kingdom come, his will be done. Turning back darkness in the light of Jesus. Turning back injustice with his healing love and justice. See, this is what we're called to do. And our relationship is on fire when we're doing things with Jesus. Not only because we're doing those things, but we're utterly dependent on him as well. Like Moses is going, oh my word, I can't deliver the people out of Egypt. He goes, yeah, you can't, but I'm with you. And guess what? His prayer life suddenly became super real because he was utterly dependent upon God. Are you just face to face? Are you side by side? I remember I, it was hard for me to, to come and be a pastor because I loved my previous ministry, which was in business. It was being in the mission field of the corporate world. I loved it. I, that was my vocational ministry. I remember we would get together with friends in the first law firm and then the, then the business, and we would pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and we'll be done. We are by far in the minority. There's only three of us in this law firm of like 500, but we're here on mission. We are here to stir things up for the kingdom of God. We are here to see vocational renewal and see law be part of the way that your kingdom come, your will be done. See, that got me on fire because our prayer life was suddenly, God, you're with us. And we could look for burning bushes in the law firm. Look for what God's doing in the law firm. We would pray, Lord, help us bring people to Alpha. We would Lord, help us like, you know, grow the pro bono department. Oh, Lord, let us use the legal system for justice and mercy. We were on mission together. And that sparked our life with Christ. And when I went to this other business, it was the same thing, straight away on mission together. I remember walking in and I didn't know if there were any Christians there, but I was praying, Lord, you know, help me connect with people because this is the mission field. And I remember one day I was in a little cubicle and this, you may have heard this story before, but uh, this guy kind of tapped me on the shoulder 
And I was there, there's about 400 people on this floor. It was huge, all from around Europe. And this guy tapped me on the shoulder. I turned around, never seen him before. And, but I think he was from the German team and I was in the British team. And um, he tapped me on the shoulder and I said, hello? He, he just leant in and said, I hear you are one of us. <laughs> I go, uh, sorry, I don't know what you mean. He said, I hear you are one of us. I said, I'm so sorry, I don't know what you mean. And he said, uh, you worship the king, yeah? <laughs> and I go, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I worship. And then he says, we are not alone. <laughs> I go, really? And he said, look. And we both put our head up above the kind of the, the little cubicle. And I saw this other little head pop up. His name was Siegbert. That guy over there was called Justin, who's still a great friend. And we were side by side with God going into that workplace, going, Lord, let your kingdom come. We met for prayer at lunchtime. We gathered a little Christian group that were there to love, love our workplace and love our consumers and see double digit growth for the sake of flourishing of humanity, not just helping our shareholders. Side by side, getting up off the couch. And then when you get back into the Bible, when you get back into prayer, when you get back into Sundays, the face by face, you're alive. Because of the side by side. And finally, we can only get close to God through Jesus. We can only get close to him through Jesus. Now you're probably thinking, this is a bit tangent, I don't see Jesus here. Moses got close to him without Jesus, or did he? We've got this really fascinating contradiction here. On the one hand, God is going, burning bush, I wanna get to know you. Moses, come close. And then as soon as Moses starts to come close, he goes, oh stop! Don't come any closer. It's like Moses is going, what's going on? Do you want me as a friend? Or do you not want me as a friend? Come closer. Oh, stop. And we get into this incredible dilemma of God throughout all of the Old Testament. Is how does his heart of love and affection and bringing people home, how can he do that at the same time as be faithful to himself as to bring justice to the brokenness of this world that we have all caused? How does God at the same time be loving and holy? In other words, how does God bring us close without us being consumed in the fire? You know, I mean, you think this is harsh, but hang on a minute, can't, can't God just like go, ah, it doesn't matter. But a judge is not loving if he just lets people go. A police officer is not loving if he just overlooks the crime. There's this dilemma that God has of Moses, don't come close because if you come closer, you're coming into my world where there is, I'm a judge. I'm not gonna sweep injustice under the carpet. I'm not gonna turn a blind eye to the evils in this world. And Moses, you may not think it, he probably does 
deep down, like we all do. We may not think that this world is bad because of us, but in our self-aware moments, we know. I may not do that, but I do all of this. See, sin is simply the Bible's definition of the stuff that humanity does to keep messing up the world. So how do we get close without being consumed in the bush? And this is the point, this is the fascinating, the beautiful thing of God. Because do you see in the text, do you see back in verse two, we're gonna have verse two on the screen here. It's, we see there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that the bush was not on fire, it did not burn up. But who's in the bush? The angel of the Lord. Hang on, but Yahweh's in the bush. I am in the bush, yes. But there is this, the angel of the Lord is called the Malak Yahweh, which is this figure very rarely seen in the Old Testament. But each time this angel, which is just the word for messenger, kind of speaks the things of God in such a way that the people are going, this is Yahweh. But it's also a person. Yahweh in bodily form, who's not being burned in the bush, but is so holy He's right in the heart of his father. See, most scholars look at this and go, hang on. Is this Jesus? Is this the pre-incarnate Jesus? Some go, yes, some say, maybe not. Either way, what we're seeing here is God personifying himself to, to give us a taste of we need a mediator. That there's one day gonna come a man who connects us to Yahweh who mediates his voice to us and then bridges the gap so that we can come close. See, God came in Jesus to actually deal with the punishment we deserve, the judgment we deserve, the justice that we all have. That God loves you so much, he's not gonna ask you to pay for what you've done, he's gonna pay for it himself. And he comes in the person of Jesus. He humbles himself to flesh, to die on the cross, to die the death that we deserve, that we might receive his righteousness that we don't. So that now when we see a burning bush, now when we see God calling us from within the fire, he no longer has to say, don't come any closer, but says, look, because of my son, come right in. Receive the fire of my Holy Spirit because now because of his righteousness, you're in the bush and you won't be consumed. Many people go, why do I need Jesus? Well, can't I have a relationship with God without him? It's like you can see the burning bush. You can see the beauty of his voice in all of creation, but you're not at home with him because you can't without a mediator, without someone to take your sin onto himself that you can run on in and be at home because he's paid the price on your behalf. So what is your burning bush? He's given you them. Could be I need to respond, I'm gonna go to Alpha, or it could just simply be, okay, I'm gonna respond to what Jesus is doing in my life. But God is always drawing us in. And we're gonna worship now the one who made it possible. Because God loves you so much, he died 
that you can come all the way in. Let's stand together. Love you to close your eyes and just talk with Jesus for a minute, whatever's going on. What's been the burning bush in this sermon? Maybe there's just one thing, the rest of it was blah, but one thing you go, oh, that's got heat on it. I think God's saying that to me. Maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna come to Alpha and check it out like Moses did. Or maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's, I need Jesus. Because I sense God calling me, but I need Jesus to cleanse me that I can come all the way in and be forgiven. I'd love you to, during the worship, our prayer team, come on forward and we'll pray for you and you'll meet Jesus and you'll be part of the family of God. Or something else, our prayer team are gonna be here, just come forward. But let's worship the God who reaches out to us and draws us in. And through Jesus, we can come all the way in and join him in the fire. Let's worship together.